1: Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and
2: he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests
0: will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as an FM radio. And now, back to our episode. Hey everybody, uh, today's podcast is with my friend Joanna Bartlett. I met Joanna in a group I'm in uh, for It's called Master Heart with a coach named George Cow, And we work on trying to make our businesses more authentic and obviously successful. But Joanna is a advanced grief recovery recovery specialist, and I was talking with her about the work that I do and the work that she does, and I think there's a good uh, synergy between what we both do. So in today's episode, we talk about what she does, and she's also a former professional medium. Uh, she doesn't practice mediumship anymore, but she does teach it, which I think gives her an interesting perspective as well. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, this is Brian with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I have with me my friend Joanna Bartlett. Uh, Joanna and I met through a group with our coach, George Cow, uh, the Master Heart, Master Heart Group. And I want to introduce Joanna to you and talk about what she does. And I think it'll be a very interesting episode. Um, from an early age, Reverend Joanna Bartlett experienced a remarkable amount of loss the death of a sibling, her parents' divorce, moving to a new country twice sexual abuse and assault, parental neglect, the death of several pets and grandparents, and a loss of health. This was all before she became an adult. As a young adult, she found solace and support in a spiritualist church, where she went on to become a certified medium and minister. Her work as a medium brought her back around to helping others deal with their own losses and grief, resulting in her training as an advanced grief recovery specialist with the Grief Recovery Institute, which we'll talk about today. These days, in addition to helping others learn to develop their own mediumship abilities, she teaches people the tools they need to heal to perform from the painful incompleteness of grief. So with that, I want to introduce my friend, Joanna Bartlett. Hi,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Hey, Jen. It's good to have you on. Yeah. So let's talk about about what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of maybe backtrack and talk about how you got to where you are. Okay. So so let's talk about you're doing grief work today, mainly. Mm Mm-hmm. And That's so right. t- tell me about that
1: so yeah so I'm a I'm an advanced grief recovery specialist it sounds fancy um, but essentially what it means is I help people figure out what is painful and incomplete for them with um, with losses that they've experienced My, many of these losses are relationships whether it's death or divorce or estrangement or just like difficult relationships with parents or children or kind of anybody in your life, ex-husbands, um, ex-spouses. So, and figure out, yeah, what's, what's painful about that, what, what they're still holding on to, what they're still carrying around with them that keeps them from living a, a healthy, happy life. And I teach them new tools to be able to move through that pain and essentially let go of the, pain, the painful parts
0: mm-hmm. so they
1: don't have to carry them anymore.
0: And the the way you teach it's a particular method. Tell me about the method that you use.
1: Yeah. So I use the grief recovery method, which was um, developed by John James, um, who's now one of the founders of the Grief Recovery Institute. And he developed this method after losing a child to death. One of his, Mm. his children, his child died and he was understandably deep in grief and trying to find ways to to heal that grief or to move through it and to not have it affect him kind of so much and he read all the books that were available at the time on grief and did a bunch of different programs and somehow I think intuitively is my own my own personal opinion came up with this grief recovery method to um to 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 move through the painful parts and to be able to let go of them, so that they just don't hurt as much
2: anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it is. It's a very uh, specific, systematic process. Where the way I work with it is an eight-week process, and you, we use the uh, got the grief recovery handbook is the textbook, and um, you have homework every week, and we talk about it in the in the sessions and reflect upon it and your own experiences and your the losses you've experienced, and, and that's kind of the first part of the process. And then the second part of the process, I help um, clients look at one re- particularly painful relationship, one loss that is really affecting them and impacting their life and their capacity for happiness um, at the moment, and teach them how to look at the wholeness of that relationship, the highs and lows, the ups and downs and figure out kind of what's incomplete and that what needs to be expressed or said or emotionally worked through. And I help them do that. And essentially, you know, what it boils down to is figuring out, you know, because every relationship has its highs and lows, its ups and downs. It's things that basically you wish had been different, better or more in the relationship. The things that you wish you had said or done differently maybe the things that you wish you hadn't said or done or the other person had done differently in some way and so you figure out the things that are on you the things that you wish you had act in ways that you wish you had acted differently the things that you had said differently or done differently or had been better in some way and you apologize for those things um essentially you issue an apology not to the person this is all done with a grief recovery specialist so it's all confidential and safe and then you figure out the things that you need to forgive the other person for that you wish that they had done differently in some way or better or, you know, the things that were on them in the relationship that are still painful for you. And you issue forgiveness for those things. You decide to forgive through this process. And then the others is like the, just the things that you wish you had said, the things that you wish you had communicated, the things that you felt were never heard, perhaps, that you, if you, you did try to communicate them. And you, this process allows you to communicate those things. And in a way, it seems very, very simple. It seems way too simple to be as effective as it is. But it allows your heart to do the emotional processing work that it hasn't been able to do before. Because we very often try to think our way through grief. And we often get stuck in our minds. And we go through, we ruminate. We go through this, oh, if only I had said this. If only if I had done this. If only whatever it is. Or if only that person hadn't done that. And we get stuck in that place, and this process allows you to to your heart center your heart to do that emotional processing and to really let go of what 's painful
0: Wow, wow, so you and I were talking the other day when we were talking about the method that you use, and when I think of grief, I think of the loss of a person, but you talked about grief as being the people you work with it it could be something other than the loss of a person
1: yes so this one of the things I like about a lot about the grief recovery method is it can be applicable to many areas of your life. So like for me, like you said in my intro, I've lost countries. Um, It sounds kind of silly. I've lost my homeland of England. I left when I was 10. I've been back, I think like four times in my life, maybe five. And that's actually always been a really painful loss to me. Mm-hmm. And so you can even use this method for to, to something like that, but you can use it also for, say, a divorce. I have two ex-husbands. And so those are two painful, you know, relationships. Often ex relationships with ex-spouses are painful because there's a loss, all the losses that come with divorce, the, you know, the hopes and dreams and expectations you had for that relationship. Once that relationship ends, those die, essentially and um it's hard it can be hard and painful or even a relationship with someone who is still living so like my relationship with my dad was never what i wanted it to be and he's still alive and there's been a lot of pain for me around that and so this has helped me move through that and heal from that essentially and it's not it's not painful in the way that it has been my whole life which is nice hmm. and you know people often and this was developed initially to help deal with grief or the pain of grief from losing a loved one to physical death. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it can be applied in a bunch of other ways as well.
0: Yeah. I was talking with someone just a couple of days ago and she's moving out of her house and Mm said a couple other losses, you know, big losses recently in her life. And she asked the question, is it possible to grieve the loss of the house?
1: Yeah, it is. It's a real loss. I mean, being so, the definition of grief that I work with, that the Grief Recovery Institute teaches and uses, is that grief is the conflicting feelings that you very naturally normally have when any familiar pattern of behavior changes or ends, and that applies to very much in our life. And that definitely doesn't minimize um, the grief that people experience when a loved one dies. Especially, I know you deal a lot with parents who have whose children have have died. And so it doesn't, you know, it's expanding the definition doesn't minimize anybody's pain right. or experience. Right. Um, but it, I find it to be a very valid and helpful definition because when you move, it, it can be a huge loss depending on your experience, right? And your circumstances. Right. It, it's a familiar pattern of behavior, the place that you live, the place that you sleep, the place that you're in every day, it changes your ends. And you have a bunch of feelings about it, and those feelings
0: can be grief yeah, so yeah, it was interesting talking about that and kind of expanding that definition of grief, as you said for for someone who has lost someone like a child or a parent or a spouse or something like that, I mean, we of course think of that as grief, but it's it's um fascinating to know that this technique can work on other types of losses. And Mm -hmm. first of all, just to validate that that is a true loss, you know, losing, losing, you know, even even losing a spouse to a divorce, um, or losing a job or losing, losing, losing a house. So, um, I know you're, you're also were medium, um, before you started getting into this, this work. So how did that, how did, how did you become a medium?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back. How did I become a medium? Uh, that's a good question. And so, <laughs> I have answered that in one of my books a little bit. But so I, um, in retrospect, you know how hindsight's you know, 20 hindsight's twenty twenty, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So after I became a medium, I started studying mediumship formally in my early 20s when I was, went to a, a spiritualist church in Rochester, New York, Plymouth Spiritualist Church. It's called the Mother Church of Modern Spiritualism that I kind of happened upon and realized then that, oh, these experiences I have been having for so many years, this is what's going on. This is what's, you know, this is what's like wrong with me or, mm-hmm. you know, there's something wrong with me. This is what what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so looking back, I remember... Um, seeing what I at the time I think called ghosts in my house when I was a young child. Mm. And I now realize that at least one of those people was my brother who died when I was two coming to, you know, say hello and then check on us and all of that. And I was resolutely shut down. There's no such thing as ghosts, Joanna. And, um, but it was something that I kind of continued to, Experience and being very sensitive to other people's emotions and my own intuition, uh, kind of throughout my life, and then yeah, when I was in my 20s, I started studying mediumship and became a certified medium with the National Spiritualist Association of Churches.
0: You know, it's interesting as I was reading your intro, and I didn't realize you had been through as much trauma as you'd been through. Um, I've heard, and you can tell me whether you've heard this or not, or whether you feel it's true, that a lot of times mediums come out of traumatic childhoods, and it seems to be common with a lot of mediums I know anyway. Um, yeah. Do you know, has that been your experience, and why do you think that is?
1: My experience has been a lot of um, sensitives, I guess I would call them, have had difficult childhood experiences. And I think it has been, been having, you know, a difficult childhood is a kind of inadvertent training ground Mm -hmm. for developing your abilities, especially um, your abilities to like, take the emotional temperature of a room, Mm -hmm. to figure out who's safe or not safe, because things are happening to you as a kid that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. And so you, you learn to kids tend to be very open and aware, because they haven't like kids are very open to their intuition, we're naturally born with these, this capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, to understand the world around us in more ways than modern society, you know, approves of.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we t- so you tend to learn to use those things uh, when you are in those kinds of situations. So people who are, say, empathic and very sensitive in that way tend to try and feel out people what's safe what's not safe how do I can I be in this situation can I go into this room are people going to start yelling at me or hurt me or you know be not good for me in some way and I don't know that's kind of my take on it it's almost like a survival or coping mechanism that you develop these abilities to survive those experiences
0: yeah I think that makes sense and you know, it's interesting as you were saying that you said, and I've heard people say we're all kind of a born. I think we're born more open than we end up being. So maybe it's that people that are in that environment they don't they don't shut those things down. They just maybe it's because you, you leave them open um, because you have to. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. You were talking about also seeing your your brother in spirit when you were when you were younger. I was just reading uh, PMH Atwater's book just last night and reading one of the cases where this, this little girl, I think when she was around two or so was seeing a brother who had been miscarried. So he hadn't been born mm. and seeing a brother who had not been born yet. So he was born later. And, 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 and her, she was walking around the house looking for her brothers. I All mean, I guess driving her parents crazy. Like, where are my brothers? And they're like, you know, you don't have any brothers. One hadn't been born yet. And one was never born.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, kids are, kids can be really awesome in that way. After my mom died, um, my older son, during bath time, he was six, I think, when she died. And he used to tell me for the next kind of few years afterwards at bath time, he would see her. He would see her in our cat, who also died that, that year, a few months after my mom. And he would tell me, oh, nanny's hugging you right now. Hobbs is here right now. And it was just, it was really sweet that he would you know he would see them or sense them
0: yeah it's, it's pretty amazing so you're um you've gone from being a medium and doing grief work and i know you're you're still right about mediumship you still teach yeah. mediumship um but it's interesting you know that that your work is you know very related but you don't bring your mediumship currently into your grief work is that correct yeah
1: that's right so the grief recovery method really wants you to just you know do the grief recovery method I mean, I know and I can sense when people are, are doing this work, especially to, at the end when you share this final, you know, thing that you, this letter essentially that you put together, I can tell that are loved ones are there, but, um, it's actually mediumship is what brought me to, um, grief recovery work. Oh, excuse me. My allergies are terrible at the moment. My eyes are tearing up, but, um, yeah, because I was doing mediumship work and essentially fell into the role of a grief counselor, almost a grief support, grief coach, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. When I had clients, for some clients, doing having a mediumship reading was the healing that they needed to know that their loved one was okay, that they were still communicating, that um, they had, you know moved on and their life you know their existence continued and that helped and they could resolve they could apologize for the things that were like i'm so sorry this happened or the loved one in spirit could say i'm so sorry this happened and they would have that emotional healing and then i had clients who needed more than that That, um you know they kind of kept coming back for more and i'm like i need more skills to help people because i right. don't we're just not taught the the tools to to, to help people who were grieving and even in my pastoral training, which was helpful and it was good and it was um, compassionate at least. So at least I don't think I was kind of saying the wrong things for the most part, but I wanted to say, you know, the right and more helpful things. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's what led me to learn about the grief recovery method and then become a, a trained grief recovery specialist. And so I don't do mediumship readings anymore Mm -hmm. for a bunch of reasons. But one of them is that I really love teaching people the tools so that they can have the tools and do the work themselves rather than needing me. It's great that I love, you know, I am like making myself redundant, I suppose. But, you know, teach people the tools themselves, which is great.
0: So um, that brings up the question that I always always talk to people about um, as far as developing mediumship abilities, because I've heard, you know, several mediums say that we can all do this um but you know as i said you you know we don't have the background that you have not all of us have seen spirit as a child mm-hmm. you know, as you did so what would you say to people about how to develop their mediumship abilities or in my case as you, as we were talking about earlier i have a lot of people they don't want to become professional mediums. they want to yeah. connect with their kids
1: yeah so yeah i mean certainly not everybody who even to develop mediumship abilities and could even connect with other people's loved ones necessarily needs to become a professional medium. I mm-hmm. mean, you can just do it for yourself and for your friends and family. Uh, so my thought, my understanding and belief is that mediumship is, or even kind of intuitive abilities that able to, the ability to connect with something larger than your physical self. It's very similar to, say, singing ability or any kind of like artistic ability. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody can sing to some extent. There's some people that like really aren't awesome, but um, or who are tone deaf or who just, you know, don't have much vocal range and pretty much but anybody just about can probably improve with some training and some help. In that and coaching or whatever in practice, some people are naturally like some people are naturally awesome singers, right? And they just right. open the mouth and like this amazingness comes out, and the rest of us go, "How is this even possible?" Wish I could do that. Right. And I think the same can be true for mediumship. Some people just have that connection and kind of keep it open. But even for me, I mean, I've received a lot of training in mediumship in order to be able to know what I'm doing and to do it safely and to do it, you know, to do it well. And so there's a whole kind of range of, of ability. And so one of the things I have done and I'm trying to do more actually is help people develop yeah, that ability to communicate with their own loved ones, mm-hmm. right? You don't, necessarily, you don't need to do it for, for the public or even you know, for everybody else, but just to do it for yourself to kind of have that connection with your loved ones um, and to know and understand when you are getting messages from them yeah because i think that can be a really lovely and beautiful thing so i do actually have i did develop a journal it's called signs from spirit journal to help you um notice these experiences and journal about them and then i have an online course as well which is also called signs from spirit and the mm-hmm. idea being to help people you know, get that of like well what are these different signs that i might be getting or messages i might be getting from my loved ones in spirit and um to validate it right to validate it and encourage them to actually believe at least believe, begin to believe that it could possibly be their loved one who is sending these signs because they really yeah. do i think they really do check in with us and let us know that they're there
0: so i'm going to make sure everybody understands. that was signs from spirit and it's yeah. by reverend joanna bartlett yeah
1: okay. i'll hold the book up there
0: for the so yeah so that's a journal and and a book and then you said you've also got a, an online course for that mm-hmm. that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So that's a question I get a lot from, you know, from parents is, you know, how do I, how do I develop my abilities? And uh, it's something I probably need to spend more time on because I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, actually trying to formally do that. So I might check that out.
1: Yeah. A lot of it is really about, it's about getting quiet first. Um, I think if you can move through your grief, it helps. You know, when you're not heavy in grief and still in that in that, you know, pain of of wishing things had been, you know, different better or more in some way, and you've resolved some of that and let some of that heaviness go, it allows you to be able to connect more easily. And and so the second part of then would be getting quiet, allowing yourself the quiet and the space so that you can hear that your own inner voice and intuition and your own, you know, to connect with, with spirit and your loved ones and spirit. And then it's noticing what comes up in your life and not just immediately dismissing it as coincidence, being willing to like, believe that maybe it, maybe it is. So one of the ways that my mom communicates with me or lets me know sometimes that she still cares is um, she sends me money, which is lovely. I mean, I'm like totally into that. Yeah. But I would, Like right after she died, I kept getting these refund checks in the mail mm. from various things, like from her homeowner's insurance and from, you know, credit card interest and different things. And it will still come up sometimes. I will get these checks and I know it's my mom saying hello to me.
0: <laughs> that's interesting. That, that's not a sign I'd heard before.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm totally into it. I'm like, yeah, send me some more refund checks. mom. Well, that's great. Thanks. But, yeah, there's, you know, all the common ones like feathers and coins and various animals, birds, songs on the radio, uh, license plates, billboard signs. Um, You know, even seeing uh, headlines in articles or, you know, things like that. I get I get those kinds of things kind of pretty often from various forms.
0: Yeah, it's amazing um, how varied the signs are. And it seems like some people on the other side specialize in certain types of signs versus other types of signs. And I I talk to a lot of people that will say, why didn't get this type of sign? You know, I'm not getting feathers or I'm not. The big one is dream visits. Everybody wants dream visits. Um, What would you say to people that aren't getting dream visits?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Hi there, I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. www.griefthenumber2growth.com slash NDE Lessons. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, dream visits are... Sometimes dream visits can be a little bit tricky, I find, in the sense that, oh, how do you know if, um, you know, if it's really a dream or if it's a visitation or, you know, part of me goes, well, does it really matter? Mm-hmm. That's part of what I teach people is, you know, does it really matter if it brings you solace, if it brings you joy, if it brings you comfort, it's okay. Right. It's okay if it, you know, to, to feel that warmth and feel that connection. Yeah. Because, you know, when one of the ways that we connect with spirit is through that energy of love
2: right? and on
1: that, on that wavelength, the wavelength of love, that whenever I think of somebody that I love who is in spirit with love in my heart, I know they feel it, and I know they that's a that's a real connection. It is something that does not, love does not die, mm-hmm. and it is real, and it is, it is tangible, almost. Um, and so, and then dreams are kind of tricky in the sense that not all of us remember our dreams. Right. So you could be it sounds kind of sad, I suppose you could be having a dream visit and not like remember it in the morning, but it's mm-hmm. still happening. And that connection on some level, you're still experiencing it. I know I've certainly had dreams where I wake up in the morning and it felt like, Oh my God, I've been like traveling all night or yeah. walking all night or something, but I don't remember the, the specifics yeah. of it. You know, I know I've had dreams about loved ones, like my mom specifically. Um, which have not been pleasant dreams where I've been like yelling at her all night because I've been, this is before I did my own grief recovery work with her where, because I've been trying to work stuff out with her and I wake up and I'm like, Oh no, I had an argument with my mom in my dreams. It's not, yeah, that's yeah. not what I want. And then I've had, um, other dreams with her, like the, um, it was her birthday in September and that night, the night before, I actually had a dream about her. I don't remember what happened in the dream. All I remember is that she was trying to help me. Mm-hmm. Whatever was going on in the dream, she was trying to help me. And that was, you know, that was my mom there with me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've heard people say that we actually visit, we travel every night. We meet with our guides. We meet with our loved ones, whatever. And, and But most of those things we're not allowed to remember or we don't remember, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm I'm like you. I'll wake up sometimes with the feeling that something happened that I can't quite remember, and I feel like maybe I met with my guides, but I don't remember. The, you know, I don't I don't remember the details of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so people might be you know meeting with their loved ones, and and for whatever reason we can't we can't remember it in the morning. But um, what I try to tell people is to remain open to whatever whatever signs you're getting. And, and to, and to be be open to, you know, lots of different things. Like you said, even, you know, maybe getting a refund. Um, I've talked to people, uh, their loved ones, I don't know why they do this. They break things, especially electronics. It's like, or, you know, lights flickering on and off and things, things of that nature. So we have to be, you know, on the lookout for all those things.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many things. Like I was going to look at my, um, my list. What list did I come up with? It's in here somewhere. Yeah, so feathers, cloud shapes, even seeing kind of certain shapes in the clouds, um, coins, animals, songs or music, license plates, flowers. Like my, one of the things that my mom will show up at is with a rose and the scent of a rose. She loved roses. Mm-hmm. It's a favorite flower. And so I have, like roses in my, I a lot of roses in my garden, like just happen to be there. Well, it's not because of my mom. And so I don't always notice them. You know, like I see them all the time every day. And then someday suddenly I'll get the strong rose scent just like out of the blue. And it's like, well, you know, why, why, why now? Why today? Why you know, it's clearly not just an everyday kind of occurrence. Um, phone calls. Sometimes people phones will ring like their, or their cell phone will ring and it will either be like no number or the person's number, even though the cell phone has been disconnected, um, repeated numbers. Mm-hmm. books sometimes that fall out off the shelf. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. It's like, yeah, well, you got little like, mischievous people in spirit that they like knock things off surfaces, or they try to get your attention in some way. Yeah, lights flickering. Mm-hmm. I've had um, uh, the client whose dad kept turning on the TV in the middle of the night, and it would like
2: you know,
1: yeah. scare her because she's like, why is the TV on? Yeah. And that, like, some people seem to, in spirit seem to like playing with electricity. They're really good at electricity. Like That seems to be their element almost Mm -hmm. um smells even sometimes people will show up with a scent like one of my students um her dad will show up with a scent of tobacco because he was a smoker and so that's how she knows he's around because she gets a strong like smell of tobacco so you know there's lots of different ways that people that people communicate our loved ones in spirit communicate and you have to just be open to you know what those might be and be willing and ha- like kind of su- be willing to kind of suspend disbelief and to see just say just acknowledge it and go thanks dad thanks you know yeah. whoever
0: yeah you know uh, it's interesting because as we were talking about this in the different signs and i was thinking about i've seen people they'll get a sign and they'll run to their group of friends and they'll say this happened was it a sign mm. and i've even had some medium friends say don't do, don't share your signs with anybody because you don't want people taking it away from you. Uh, mm-hmm. If you if you're in the right group, then people will be encouraging. But I I've seen people say, "Oh no, that was that wasn't the sign. That was just coincidence, or this happened because of this." So and so, what I'd say to people is, you know, trust. If you feel it was a sign, it was a sign. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I would say too. Is trust yourself. Trust that first, you know, initial intuition that you get. Right. Like if you, if you get a sign and you think of a loved one, it's because that connection is real and it's there. You're not making it up because no. how many other times throughout your day do you see that kind of thing or ha- that, you know, that kind of thing happens and you have no reaction. Right. You don't make that connection. You're making the connection because it's a real connection. It's not just your imagination yeah. and you really have to learn to trust that initial impulse. And yeah, so sharing it, like you, know, you said, it depends on your group of friends. If you have a group of friends who are like totally supportive and not, you know, horribly skeptical, um, and you know, will provide validation and be like, oh, that's wonderful. it's wonderful. You know, they said hello to you, but otherwise, yeah, no, it's yours. It's for you. It's a message from the sign for you, for your own heart, not for... Well, I think everyone. the other
0: thing a lot of people don't realize and this, this freaks people out is people in spirit can put thoughts in our heads. So a lot of the times thoughts that we think are ours, they're not ours. So if you get that sign and you get that thought, the thought could be coming from, from the person that's trying to get your attention.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. So um, that's just something that, for people to keep open. So, you know, when I was talking to the other day, it was really um, the reason I really wanted to have you on is because a lot of people, I think especially parents, when, when their children pass, we feel guilt whether we had anything to do with their passing or not. I mean, it could be an accident that happened, you know, a hundred or a thousand miles away. It could be something that's congenital. We'll take that blame on ourselves. So the impression I get, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is, is your method helps people to get through that stuff. Because I see people stuck in that. So when, when we talk to them and helping parents heal, we'd say, learn to connect with your child. And all this stuff. they're like, they're still stuck in, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling, you know, um, guilt is, is the biggest thing I would say.
1: Yeah. No, and it makes sense that parents feel that way. Cause you know, you become a parent and oh gosh, you just you suddenly feel responsible for absolutely everything. Yeah. Even if it's not in your control, right? Even if it's not anything that you could have done, possibly done anything about. And it just, it's like, well, it's my kid. So it's mine. And it's really, you know, that seems totally normal. Natural to feel that way, and yeah. So the grief recovery method helps you resolve that, I suppose. To you know, to figure out what that is. The grief recovery institute has a kind of a specific definition of guilt that they use. No really. Is, guilt is um, is the intent to harm. Hmm. If you didn't have any intent to harm, hmm. which in pretty much, you know, many, most of the cases with parents whose children have, have you know died a physical death, there's no intent to harm, you know? So that guilt is not, sometimes it's regret or it's, um, you know, it, but it's not really guilt in that sense. So that's the first thing we do is we kind of think, address that and think about that and go, is this, you know, is this really, is this re- are you really guilty? Of anything. Did you you intend to harm your child? It's like, well, no, no, of course you didn't. So maybe it's not, maybe guilt isn't quite the right label for what you're, the the very valid and legitimate feelings that you're having, right? Right. Feelings valid, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not quite the right label. And so what is it? What is really going on here? It's that you wish that things have been different. It's that you wish you could have done more. It's that you wish things could have been better in some way. And so what are those things? And so kind of by untangling that overwhelming feeling or those overwhelming feelings and figuring out what's really going on, getting that awareness, then you can actually move through them and and let go of that feeling of guilt so that you feel you don't have that hugely painful kind of emotional incompleteness in terms of the relationship, in terms of the way that your child died. Um, or even the things that happened, you know, in their life and your relationship with them while they were alive. So that, like we talked about earlier, you can continue to have a loving, you know, good relationship with them now as they are, you know, in spirit and still in your heart. And without all that heaviness, without all that emotional heaviness, tangled up feelings and all the stuff that prevents you perhaps from connecting in with them, and being able to get those signs and notice those signs, or even just to you know to have fond memories without them becoming painful memories, so yeah. that you can you know you can have the joy of them.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people feel despondent after a loved one died because it's like okay, it's too late. I can't fix it. This is the way. This is the way it was left. This is the way it will always be. And they they feel like there's no way I can let go of this. You know. Yeah. And, and so when, as you said, when they think of that person, instead of thinking in joyful thought and thinking about all the great times they had together and the and great life they had together, they think about the very end or the last thing they said to them or the last thing they didn't say to them.
1: Yeah. it's the, Those regrets, the things, yeah, the things that they wish had been different in some way, the wish that could have been better. And it's really normal and natural to get hung up on that stuff because it's incomplete and because you're trying to resolve it. So one of my theories, one of my beliefs is that we are all moving towards healing, always. We're all trying to move towards healing. Mm -hmm. We do it in weird and messy ways and ways that don't really work sometimes. But that's what our inner impetus is. That's what we're trying to do is we're trying to heal. And so when we get stuck in those thought patterns and that if only this, I can't believe I said that, I should have, whatever. It's because we're trying to work through what is painful. Still hmm. what's unresolved and incomplete and painful for us. That's what we're trying to do. And we just don't have the right tools to do it, unfortunately. Hmm. And so that's what the grief recovery method teaches is the tools that are actually effective and helpful in resolving that stuff so that you don't have to be there anymore so that you can have some, some peace and some lightness and they're not carrying around that pain. I like
0: that. that's a great way of looking at it. Cause I, I, I'm thinking of it like we're our own worst enemy sometimes. It's like we're sabotaging ourselves. And when I will tell people, you know, cause I hear people just beating themselves up and I'm like, okay, what would you say if a friend said that to you? Right. Say to yourself what you would say to your best friend. If, cause we, I, my, I think we all do the best we can with what we know at the time. Yeah. And I've, I've seen people again, you know, I, I wish I hadn't let her go out that night or I wish I had gone with them or. You know, I, I, I should have been there, you know, whatever. It's just, just stuff. And it's like you're, you're not a superhuman being. You, you can't be everywhere all the time. And yeah. even if you are, we can't protect your children even when they're there. Um, in my case, my daughter, you know, she had been away for a week before she passed. And I was, of course, worried about her because she was in, you know, she was in Florida. She was away. She'd flown back home and she was here and she, she passed in her own bed right down the hall from me. Yes. So it just goes to show that we can't we don't have control of, of as much as we, do, as we think we do we and allow ourselves to be human.
1: Yeah, we don't have control of as much as we would like to. We yeah. would like to be able to control it all. And yeah, we're human and we're fallible. And like you said, we do the best we can in each moment. And that mo- it, that best may not be our absolute personal best every every single moment, of course, because we're human beings but um it's the best that we were able to manage right then and of course if you had known right you could and would have done things differently perhaps and maybe it may or may not have changed you know an outcome and you can't know that and it's really hard and it's yeah it
0: is uh but it's really i think you just i think you just have to let go of those things i mean i i went through some personal things myself with shannon because she had some health issues and you know, we took her to the best doctors we could find to take her to. And we did what they said, plus, you know, yeah. so I, I did all those things, but I'm like, you know, what if I had done this or if, or if I hadn't done this? Or, um, yeah. So I think it's a very natural thing to do, but it's not a very productive thing to do.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and if we can learn techniques to let go of that and to give ourselves some grace, I think uh, allows us to go on to, you know, to continue that relationship. And that's what I, I, try to talk to people about is that continuing relationship because a lot of times in our society people think once they're gone they're gone you know I'll never see them again or I'll see them in the by and by maybe you know but um, to know that they're still around that they're still active in our lives I think for me that's a key of being able to to handle what I'm going through
1: yeah yeah I mean that's yeah, the grief recovery method doesn't require anybody to have any specific belief about the afterlife or, you right. know, whether we can continue to connect with our loved ones in spirit. That's my beliefs, personally. Um, and, you know, as you know, as a medium, I I believe we can continue to connect yeah. with our loved ones. And it is, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be, to... Yeah, to not know, to wish things could have been different and to not know, but to, to learn new tools, because we're just not taught them. Um, our society just doesn't teach us how to um, deal with our own losses and, you know, the pain from, from loss and from grief. And it doesn't teach us how to help other people who are going through grief either. Right. Which is why People will often say, you know, really useless things to try to be helpful, but it's um, often very painful what they say especially I can, I can only imagine around, you know, the loss of a the child, the, the things that people would say to, that may be intellectually true to kind of like try and be helpful and help you feel better, but like, oh, really just don't, really don't do it. And, yeah.
0: Well, and even oftentimes, because I've dealt with a couple of people who are going through this, um, you know, so we've got, the, we've got the loss to begin with, and then you have people that just like, say the wrong things or just don't say anything at all. They go away. They're no longer yeah. part of your life. And then you feel like you're, you're toxic and you feel like you're alone. Um, so I think it's helpful for people in those circumstances to, you know, to reach out to, to someone that can help them to deal with those feelings. You know, that that's when grief becomes even more difficult and complicated.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, Yeah, it's not your fault, right? If the people around you go away or they just don't bring it up or they just, they'll stop saying your loved one's name and never bring them up. And that can be so painful because you may want to keep their memory alive. You might want to talk about them or talk about them, you know, especially on like that birthday or those kind of anniversary dates that can be really painful or even just every day because you don't, it's not like you stop thinking, especially if it's your child who Mm -hmm. has died. You haven't stopped thinking about your child. You haven't stopped being a parent to your child. You're always going to be a parent to them. They're always going to be one of your kids. But people don't know. It's, it's, I think it's because people don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So they sometimes will either say something hurtful or they won't say anything at all. And they will just kind of disappear from your life. And it's because we don't know how to deal with grief. And it's also because pretty much everybody is carrying around unhealed, unhealed grief. And when the thing about grief is grief is cumulative and it's cumulatively negative. Hmm. So every loss that you have that is still unresolved, every new loss reverberates through the old loss as well. Right. It like, it resonates. Um, it's like when you have two instruments in a room that are tuned and you hit a G string on one, mm-hmm. it will make that G string on the other instrument also vibrate. Right. It's the Same thing with grief. And so, when a loss occurs and grief occurs, it vibrates all those prior griefs that are still painful for you, and so it does that for you internally, and it also does that for the people around you. Your loss also vibrates their own grief within mm-hmm. them, and it brings it up for them, and they don't know how to deal with their own grief either, and so they're like, "Okay, I'm out of here. I don't know how to deal um, with this. I don't was- know, I'm just gonna. I'm extremely emotionally uncomfortable at the moment, so I'm gonna yeah. change the subject." or I'm not going to talk to you, or I'm going to say something useless.
0: That's a really good point. I never thought of that before, but you, I mean, you made a lot of good points there, but you know, you're right. I think a lot of us or most of us are carrying around unresolved grief. And maybe that's what makes us so uncomfortable around people that are grieving. And it reminds me right after my daughter passed, there was someone in my life who had never seen express, you know, grief before. And it triggered, someone who had died. I don't want to identify this person, but it triggered someone who had died like years before. And, and this person just kind of broke down talking about that. I had no idea they were still dealing with that. So I think the, that, that, that loss of someone else can trigger that. And then like you said, so that gets triggered in a person because they're with you and you're dealing with your grief, then they want to go away because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with that pain. So, um, And I I, I do see a lot of people that just say, I just don't want to deal with it. And I, 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 my thing is, because I did that when my grandmother died, I suppressed my grief for, and I just said, well, you know, she was old, it was her time to go. And I just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. It was three years later that I, that it hit me and I didn't realize I was still carrying it around.
1: Yeah. We have an amazing capacity to carry around unhold, unresolved pain and not realize it. Perhaps we're good at suppressing it. We're good at like you know, shoving it down, packing it down under the surface, or distracting ourselves with work or alcohol or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, because we're not taught tools, we don't know how. I mean, it's it seems kind of like when you go, oh yeah, we're just not given the tools to move through this in an effective way. Of course, we don't. We try to we you know flail about, and we either like avoid it or suppress it or trying and ignore it, you know, of course, well, what else are we going to do? We don't yeah. know what to do with it. Gotta, yeah. you you got to try something.
0: Well, it's good to know that people, you know, like yourself, were are out there and yeah. this method is there that's, as you said, a, a pretty straightforward eight session method. So it's not a necessarily, it's not an open-ended thing. Um, Cause I think a lot of times people are going to like, and I was just, someone just said this the other day. And then like the next day, I heard this on, the, on a on the television program. They're like, uh, if I if I deal with my grief, will it ever end? Will I ever be able to get out of it? And then I heard a character on a, t- on a television program who was stuffing his grief and running away with it, and they were just, the other characters were encouraging him to express it. He said, "I'm scared. If I start, I'll never, you know, there'll never be a bottom. There'll never be an end." Um, and I think I, I personally think we have to face it, and we have to just it's it's work. It's not pleasant. Um, it's not easy. It takes a lot of energy, but it's better, I think, it's like rip the Band-Aid off, right? Just, yeah. just go at it head on.
1: Yeah, the only way through it is through it. It's one of those things, and it's not, it's not, it's not the answer anybody wants to hear, right? But it is, it is what it is, and I think we know this on some kind of fundamental internal level. I think we know it. And the thing, like you said, it takes a lot of energy. It also takes a lot of energy to not deal with it. Absolutely. It takes a lot of emotional energy to carry around unresolved grief. It is mm-hmm. exhausting because after I started doing this um, work, what happened is I picked up, I got a copy of the grief recovery handbook to help my clients. I started reading it and I went, Oh, I need to do this work myself. This is for me. Yeah. I better, you know, this is the work I need to do. And these are the tools I've always needed to do it. And so I started doing this and I've worked through, I think 21 different losses at this point. I'm like totally into this work. But even after doing, say, the first like four or five, I felt so much lighter emotionally Mm. and had so much more energy because I didn't have to carry around the weight of all that grief anymore and all that unresolved loss and that pain, which I was very busy, you know, trying to suppress or trying to like, you know, not have to deal with constantly. But it's always there. That pain is still there, even though it seems like it would be really painful to talk openly about grief and, you know, do this work. That pain, you're carrying it around with you already.
0: Well, then there's all the coping mechanisms that people come up with. I mean, you mentioned some earlier, you know, overworking, you know, alcohol. Uh, I see people they try to avoid all the triggers. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can't listen to music. I can't go to this part of town. I can't go to this town at all. Um, I can't watch a football game. You know, I, you know, on and on and on of things. Mm-hmm. So people are, are setting up their lives to avoid, you know, all the triggers um, because they just can't bear to think about, you know, that that person or that, that thing that they've lost. Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, if you can work through those things that make that feel bad. Then when you think about that person, you can actually feel good.
1: Yeah. You can, rem- you can remember the fond memories and the, and you can feel that love and that connection with that person through that love energy. So it's, it's a bit like physical therapy, right? Physical therapy is Like who wants to go to physical therapy? Like that's yeah. not like fun, but we go do it and we do the exercises. We do the homework so that we can have, you know, the benefit of that and not, you know, and not have to deal with that painful issue that we were having anymore, hopefully. And, you know, the same is true with the grief recovery that, um, you know, through, in those eight weeks, you learn the tools mm-hmm. to complete the pain and you will complete the pain around one relationship. And you learn the tools to basically use it in any other relationship with your life. And I continue to provide support to people if they want it, if they want to say, okay, I want to work on more relationships now. Um, you know, I have more grief I need to process. I'll continue to support and help people or they can do it on their own or I, I give people kind of a bunch of, of options. Um, but it's it's a really worthwhile thing to, you know, to learn, to learn these new tools and new ways of, of looking at grief and looking at where you learned these things and your responses to grief and why you, the ways that you try to avoid this pain, like you said, whether it's, yeah, overworking you know keeping busy um fantasy whether that's like you know tv or films or facebook or you know video games scrolling through social media playing candy crush for hours you know whatever it is that you happen to do food is a big one Mm -hmm. um retail therapy as people call it shopping too much there's like all kinds of things the isolation People, sometimes people will just isolate from other people as a way to just be like, I'm just going to be in my little my little bubble, which doesn't seem particularly pleasant, really, because humans need interaction and communication and connection with others. So.
0: Well, I think it's good for people just to know that um, you can... Uh, I always say deal with the grief. I don't think you get over grief. I don't think it, I don't think it goes away. I don't think you ever finish and close the book on it. Um, as long as you love that person, you're going to, you're going to have longing for them, but you can learn to, to deal with it. You can learn it. You can learn to get rid of some of those bad parts of it. You can learn to get rid of the guilt and the regret and stuff like that. That stuff can go away and then you can, you know, you're still going to have the longing and that's okay. I think that's, I think that's actually a good thing to, to, yeah. want to be with that person, that shows that you still have the love and the love is still there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could like, I still miss my mom. I'm always gonna miss my mom. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even as a medium, and I, even though I know whenever I talk about her and think about her, I feel her, I see, you know, I don't see her, but I feel her. I Mm -hmm. know that she is with me and that she loves me. And gosh, yeah, I still wish she was here in physical form. Of course I do. Um, I'm human, you know, so you're still, even if you do the grief recovery method, Mm -hmm. um, you can still feel sad sometimes, you're still going to miss your loved one, like you're human, like you said, it would be abnormal, like if you did not have any feelings whatsoever in, in that regard.
0: Right, that's not the goal.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to carry around the pain.
0: Right. It
1: doesn't have to hurt so much, it doesn't have to feel so unresolved and so mixed up and just so, oh heavy and all of that like that part you can actually resolve move through kind of move beyond and let go and um you know and and then you know continue continue your life and it also means then because loss unfortunately loss continues to occur in life in various ways but it means that when new losses do occur you're not it's not gonna it's not accumulating right right And so it's not going to be resonating, you know, vibrating all those previous griefs because it's like you uninstall those buttons within you. So they're Mm -hmm. not there to push anymore or to vibrate They're, You know, you're kind of, it's released that it's cleared that out so that you can deal with whatever that loss is. You can deal with that loss and you have the tools to deal with that loss too. Mm -hmm. And understanding and hopefully the compassion for yourself to go, Oh yeah this is grief. This is real. You don't invalidate it or minimize it. You're just like, yep, yeah, this is real grief. This is what I'm experiencing right now. Okay. That's what's happening. And I think that can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, lo- I love that. And that's first I've heard about that, that grief kind of reverberating. And and, um, and so I, I think that's a really good point to make with people. If you, if you have grief, deal that you're going to have other losses so you might as well deal with this one now so you can deal with those, you know, individually. Yeah. Well, Jan, I want to really thank you for being on. I want to go over uh, how people can contact you. So your website is alightintuition.com. Mm-hmm. So it's a L-I-G-H-T, intuition, I-N-T-U-I-T-I-O-N.com. Um, and your book uh, that you, you mentioned already was Signs from Spirit. And that's by Reverend Joanna Bartlett that's available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold, right?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Anything you wanted to add?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's been lovely. I love talking about the stuff. I'm, you know, weird in that I love talking about grief with people. I think partly because I know a way through it and I'm always excited about helping other people, guiding other people through it so that they can, you know, they don't have to limit their capacity for happiness in their life. You know, we exist with, with grief and joy and the fullness of the human experience and it can be hard and overwhelming, but you know, it it can also be pretty, pretty wonderful. And um, I encourage people to trust themselves, right? So whether that is feeling like you are hearing from a loved one in spirit, trust that it's not going to hurt anything to trust it. Right. If it makes your own heart happy, allow yourself that, allow yourself that happiness. And the same, that if you go, you know what, I think I'm ready to like learn how to move through this grief stuff. Trust that too. It's, you know, when it, I always tell people it's whenever you're ready is the right time to do it. And you know that's when you should listen to yourself and, and move forward in that way. So it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks. It's been great talking to you. This has been another episode of Grief to Growth, and this is your host, Brian Smith. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I am a life coach and grief partner. You can reach me at www.grieftogrowth.com. That's www.grief, the numeral 2 growthcom And if you'd like, you can book a free half-hour consultation. The other thing I'd like to ask for is your support for the podcast. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review, that would be wonderful. If you'd like to support me financially, you can support me for as little as 99 cents per month. And you can find the link to do that in every episode. Hope you have a great day. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grief to growth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.